Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Before I read the verses from Acts chapter 2 about Pentecost, what I see happening here is that Pentecost calls all of us back to beginnings, our roots. And what's surprising here is we find raw, unrefined followers crying out to Jesus and Jesus hearing us by the Holy Spirit. Let me read from verse 1 of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is a reminder that the church here, which is right now 120 disciples, Jewish Christians that are following Jesus, that they're not doing church. They're being church. They're living sacrifices. Notice the fire that starts out in one place and then separates onto all 120 heads that are praying there, it's like each one of them are a living sacrifice. They're being consumed. There's a moment in the Old Testament where uh, Elijah prepares the sacrifice on the altar and then the fire comes from God. God starts the fire and it's happening here. The fire is from heaven and it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming and igniting us consuming us as living sacrifices only we're actually not consumed as we're filled with the Holy Spirit we're renewed we become who God has for us to be the Holy Spirit is the adjective holy so it's not just an experience that we're having with God but he's making us holy unto himself And like the temple, so many times the tabernacle as well as the temple was filled with the Shekinah glory, which no man can do. It's got to be God. Each disciple now is the temple of God. 120 little temples that are now filled with the Holy Spirit. I know right now with this COVID thing, we can hardly wait to get back to normal. We can hardly wait to be, to be doing church. But what if we think differently? What if we, instead of we go backwards, we go forward asking God to freshly fill us, to make us to be church rather than do church? Remember that when we do gather, just like this, we're the locker room and we're refilled to now go be church and be on the playing field. The other thing I see here is that the church belongs to Jesus. Nobody gets to create the script, to create the liturgy, how we're going to do it and what liturgy God has to follow. Uh, You might say that Jesus is not tame. The disciples have been praying for about 10 days. Jesus lingered for a while on earth meeting several times with the disciples after the resurrection and then he ascended into heaven and there's this 10-day 
period of time where the 120 are gathered in the upper room seeking God, but they don't know what's going to happen. And Jesus comes untamed. He does things his way. So it's not a show when we gather for church. It's not a, quote, service. It's each of us gathering to be under the lordship of Jesus, who's good, who's powerful, he's present, but he's not tame. You remember that line in the Chronicles of Narnia. I think it's in the, the book, The Horse and His Boy, where the children are reminded that Aslan is good, but he's not tame. And it just means he's in charge. He's the Lord of our lives. The third thing I see in this passage is that the church is multinational. There's an interracial thing, uh, multi-languages happening here. You remember the Tower of Babel where everyone spoke one language and then they built this prideful tower to represent the greatness of man and God dispersed the people. He knocks down the tower and suddenly there's multi-languages that are developing around the world and division. Well, the day of Pentecost reverses the Tower of Babel and suddenly, as you read the rest of the chapter of Acts 2, people in the streets come running because they hear people praying, not just in tongues, but they hear them praying in their own dialect, their own language, people from Persia, people from Turkey, people from Ethiopia, all different parts from around the Mediterranean area, their own specific language. How beautiful is that? Now, to be fair, all of these people are Jewish that are coming running. They're a part of the diaspora. The Jews have been, been dispersed for over 400 years even 600 years going actually to the invasion of the Babylonians. And, and so they've dispersed to different places. As they've been dispersed, they've actually intermarried with different people. So the people from North Africa look a little bit more African. Uh, the people that are a little bit closer to Rome look a little bit more Greek or Roman. And the same with the people that have gone east to Persia but they still have Jewish DNA in them, but they're now speaking at home these other dialects. And that's the church. The church from the very beginning was not white, it was not black, it was not brown. It was Jesus' church. Different, but the same Jesus. How powerful and prophetic to the time that we are living in right now what is Jesus like? Jesus speaks the languages of you and of me, our dialects, and we all come together to celebrate this unity. What a beautiful picture for the church to be what America could be, that we could be this prophetic voice taking a country that right now is experiencing some racial division and racial divide and pain right now to come together following the church of Jesus Christ into this beautiful picture of unity. Unity is not sameness. 
And sometimes when we meet someone who's different, we can feel uncomfortable and we don't know what to do with different. And so we try to make the other person, even in marriage, we try to make the other person just like me. And then once, ju- once that person is just like me, I'm frustrated because who wants to live with yourself? Diversity is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And one day before the throne of Jesus, we find in Revelation that there'll be people in heaven from every tribe and nation and tongue. Wow. And it begins at the birthday of the church. So as we celebrate the birthday, how important for us to reboot and say, we want to be this interracial church that is celebrating this kind of diversity. Finally, the church exists for Jesus and others and not for herself. I once did a compilation of all the books that have ever been written about the church. And you might even say that the church is one of the most narcissistic entities on the planet because we write about the church and we talk about the church and I'm even doing it right now, right? But the church doesn't exist for herself. The church exists, first of all, to give glory to God. And you see these disciples doing that as they praise God in languages they never even learned. And the, the people hearing hear God being praised in their own dialect. And then the church exists for others. The reason we're not just existing for God is we could do that in heaven. When we are in heaven, we will praise God forever and ever and ever. But right now, we are church on a mission. There's something to be accomplished. And Jesus told us, go into all the world. This has been the pent-up desire of God from all eternity, all the way back to Abraham, that through your seed, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Israel was supposed to be that visible witness that invites all the nations of the earth for this God of justice, this wonderful God of goodness and truth, this holy God. But Israel tended to keep God to herself and created this big divide between Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles being dogs, Gentiles being um, unclean, and Jews being the special people of Israel. And now at Pentecost, Israel is forced. It's allowed to now let God out of the box. And God goes to all of the world. And we're on that mission still, reaching out to people that need to see the love of God. There's two places in Scripture where Jesus uses the word church. The word is ekklesia in Greek, and it means called out ones we are the special people who have been called out by jesus to gather and to be the church but jesus uses the two term the the one term only two times in all of the gospels matthew chapter 18 where he refers to the church as kind of a fellowship He's talking about church discipline and if you see a brother that's in the wrong, you go to them privately and you bring them back and if they, he doesn't repent, you go through these steps and Jesus says, and if not, you finally tell the church, 
The church is, yes, we are a fellowship. But the other time is really insightful. It's in Matthew also in a previous chapter, two chapters forward, chapter 16, where Jesus says, I will build my church. There it is, ecclesia. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. And here we see the church not so much as a fellowship, but it's a different F word, force. We are going out into the world, not to the nice places, but also to the dark places. Jesus describes those places as the gates of hell. Do you remember the Lord of the Rings? And we're looking at the gates of Mordor, these 90-foot gates that are just so impregnable. Well, can you imagine the gates of hell? And Jesus says that the church will be a force that actually batters down the gates of hell, the dark places where in people's hearts and lives Satan has had a foothold. The church needs to be not just a fellowship where we can hardly wait to gather again, but as we come back together that we are reconsidering the church to be a force in this world. And even in this time, I think racism is a dark place. It's a stronghold that that is coupled with division, it's coupled with judgment, and it's coupled with pride. And you put, mix those three together and you have racism. And even the church, we can come as, as an entity of change that says we want to bring change, yes, out there in the educational system, judicial system, law enforcement areas of life, but we also want to bring that change into our own community right here, North Coast Calvary. The gates of hell in America, I don't know all that they are. You can probably make a list. And I think they're different in every country. But if you imagine what they might be, I think maybe if we look at D.C., power and the struggle for power is one. If we look at New York, you think of economic prowess, the, the stock market and, and, and its importance around the world. You look at Hollywood and you look, you begin to consider all the, the, uh, the things that are happening coming out of Hollywood, many times good, but many times bad in, in, in promoting, uh, uh, looking at people's bodies as objects instead of people. And sometimes promoting the breakdown of marriage or the breakdown of, of family or sexual promiscuity. Um, that we can be agents of change. And the list goes on and on. on. Uh, one might be greed. That we would become a more generous nation and we would become a more generous people. Now I know anyone could argue, but America's greater than all those other nations out there. And you're probably right, it's true. We have so many things that make us this incredible nation. But we are a church in America on mission. And that's not my instructions. That's Jesus' instructions. And we are to be a force in this world for change. Folks, it's Pentecost. It's the celebration of the birthday of the church. Almost, actually, in 10 more years, it will be about 2,000 years exactly. And 
at this birthday, let's reconsider as we are actually re-emerging a little bit and having prayer gatherings on our campus, let's not just come back, same old, same old, high five, same old, same old. Let's just be me, you just be you, and we'll be cozy. And I know you're not thinking of that, but let's go radical. Let's say, no, I didn't sign up to be cozy. I didn't sign up to play church. I signed up to be church. I signed up for Jesus. And, and I don't get to run the show. He does. We're followers of him. So I want to lead us into a time of prayer. And I want us to become vulnerable to this Jesus and say, Lord, who do you want me to be? Who do you want our church and the church in America to be? And God, can you change our nation? So in response, I want to take some time, some real time to pray. I've invited a couple of my friends, you know them well, Willie Briscoe and Ryan Pfeiffer, to help us pray. And I'll be in the mix as well. Let's just take some time to just bear our hearts before God and really pray. Father, we want to hear from you. We want to pray in accordance with your will. And so we pray, God, clothe us as your people with your humility. We pray for a breaking through of your spirit of humility in the church. Your humility cleanses us. Your humility binds us together and empowers us toward a capacity of greater love for each other as the body of Christ and positions us, Lord, to be a witness to the world. And so, Lord, we pray now. We repent of every attitude that has not been an attitude of humility and love and of service to others. We pray now, Lord, clothe us with your spirit of humility. At Pentecost, it was the big inrushing and inbreaking of your spirit. And it was a spirit of power that empowers us towards a capacity for greater unity with each other. And so, Lord, we pray now in this hour that you'd unify us as the body of Christ around you. Unify us in our attitudes, in our perspective, in our heart posture around your heart posture. May your heart posture of total humility, of radical service and sacrifice, reorient us and ground us. And we pray that, Lord, you would mobilize us as a, as a church to be the expression of your radical humility to our community, to our families, to our neighbors, on social media, with our words, through our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we come before you. We bring our families. We bring the city. We bring this nation before you. We ask, Father, that you would purify our hearts. Then we ask, Lord, that you would unify our hearts around you, around your word. Father, we ask that you would root out all evil as it pertains specifically to racism and police brutality. Father, we ask that you would work in the government, that you would work in the lives of the individual police officers, that you would work in the life of the church, that you would clean the hearts of those 
who struggle with the sin of racism. Father, your vision for your church is one of nations and tribes, man both great and small. And Lord, it's our job to bring that vision down to earth. I pray for our pastors. I pray for our community leaders. I pray for the CEOs. I pray for the school teachers. I pray for the curriculum that is taught sometimes in schools that show systemic racism. Lord, I pray over all these things, and I ask that you would reign supreme in all of these areas. Father, bring this country not back to a certain place, but bring us to a new place of unity. One based on truth, one based on trust, one based on grace and love and your Holy Spirit. We cannot do this without your Holy Spirit, Father. And it starts with the church. I pray for a repentant heart from the church. I pray for a repentant heart for individuals. I pray for a repentant heart for uh, police officers that have harmed people of any color, but especially those young black men who disproportionately are attacked and murdered. Lord, I pray that you would root out all evil. Lord, we wouldn't just focus on the fruit, but we would focus on the root and that you would dig down deep and that you would take it all out and expose it and then eradicate it. Father, I pray that your spirit would show up in a mighty way that you would show up in the church, that you would show up in the home, that you would show up in the neighborhoods, that you show up in the cities, and that you would even show up in the White House and make yourself evident to all those who call you Lord. We thank you, Father, for exposing these things. We thank you, Father, that you did not leave these things in the in the corners and in the darkness but that you brought them out into the light. May this be a revival. May this be a time of repentance. May this be a time of moving forward. And may we never visit this season in our nation again. But I pray that we would move forward, that we would um, make systemic changes, that apologies would be said and heard, that ears would be open. Lord, in that healing would begin and bridges would be built. Thank you so much, Father, for your love and your grace for this country. But more importantly, Lord, we thank you for your love of each and every individual that you created in your likeness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we pray right now for our nation. God, you know that we are grieving. It feels like we're falling apart at the seams. But most of it is centered around values that we have as a country. Uh, the value of 
human dignity that comes from your word, the image of God, the value of justice that comes from your word and, and the value of loving one another and treating one another better than ourselves. God, we pray for change in our nation. We pray, God, that this spark that, that hit our nation from Minnesota following dozens of dozens of sparks that have hit our nation for, uh, for hundreds of years. God, that you would use this not for ill, but for actual change. And we pray for change, not just in America, but we pray for change right here in San Diego. God, we pray uh, for our police officers. We thank you for them. We thank you uh, for them protecting us and restoring law and order. But we equally pray, God, that there would be new tactics that would demonstrate uh, uh, respect and, and protection of human life for all races. We pray, God, that there be no profiling among our officers, that we would respect every single ethnicity and race in our society. We pray, God, for our educational system, our governmental system, our judicial system. And then, God, we pray for our church. We pray that our church would be a church that welcomes everyone through the door. And God, I know we think we do and I know we think we want to, but I sometimes wonder when someone different comes through the door, they wonder how much of myself do I have to leave outside to be welcomed inside. And it's not God just for someone of color. It could be uh, someone from the Middle East wondering, can I be accepted here? It could be someone from Asia wondering, or it could be just uh, uh, someone of white skin that just got out of the water with long hair just thinking, will I be accepted into a church looking the way I do? God, we want to be people that are like you, that accept and embrace and make friendships God, as all of us look into our lives, uh, let us ask the question, who are my people of color that are my friends? May we be people that reach out beyond our sameness to create friendship, true relationships all around me. And then God, I pray for ourselves. I pray that as we reemerge as we go into this summer and we edge out into society and into small businesses and find our place that we God as we edge out into prayer gatherings that we wouldn't just play church that we would be church we ask you bring change in our marriages that you bring change in our families that you bring change into me God, you've been speaking to me about my pride, about my impatience. God, change me from the inside out. Change us. We cry out to you, God, on the birthday of the church that you would change our nation, our church, and us. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.